Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 109. So what do you want to be doing in five to 10 years? I know it sounds like a cliche interview question, but if you really want to take a step back and think about it, it can help shape what you're going to be doing and be successful tomorrow or a decade in your business. And today we're going to be talking about the long game. We're going to be talking about how can you evaluate the life of your business and basically thinking about, is it really viable to be doing what you're doing today for the next five, 10, or even 20 years? And if it's not, then how can or should you be changing it? What are the things you should be doing to make sure you keep engaged and satisfied with the business that you've created? But before we get into it, we do want to thank a couple new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Nicholas Browse and Clayton Colloran. Thanks, guys, for joining. And if you want to help support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. So, uh, yeah, John, welcome back. I, I had to do the intro last week without you. So uh, I'm I apologize. I am sorry. I'm not sorry. No, I was. Thank you. I was I was in Texas head down. I'm cruising through it. Um you know, we we uh, we do record some the, a lot of our interviews like we bulk them up and batch them up um, and that way we can come back and, and do the uh, do the intro and outro. And, and we dropped the ball on that one. I, I thought I thought we had nothing to do. I know. And, uh, You're just like, yo, I'm going to Texas. I'm going to be, you know, eh, we had that on the, and we had that on the docket for six weeks. But like still <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. I was in the middle of nowhere. I stayed on this massive ranch with no internet or cell service. I barely spoke to anyone. It became a little bit of a uh, issue with my personal life and communication. But, well, you know, I uh, I'm back. I'm I'm in the, I'm sweating. I'm in the chair. Got the got the boob sweat going. Uh, AC is turned off per some guy standard, that like some, some guy that likes to have yeah. good quality sound. Um, but yeah, we're. Ready to rock and roll. This this conversation happens to be sort of a transition out of my trip to Texas because I got to meet a lot of interesting people while I was out there. And and these are the kind of conversations that come up when when you're talking to like minded people. Right. When when you're talking to entrepreneurs constantly, you know, you've your the long game or the your your plan and all that. These conversations pop up more often than not. Um, and it's been for some reason like coming up quite frequently here. Um, yeah, at least with me and you. In our, yeah, and, and in our after show, I know we had uh, Adam from Lazy Guy was, was kind of asking that as well. It's like, uh, so so when you think about, you know, okay, what are we talking about here, the long game? Uh, you know, it's like get a basis for it. It's like, if you think about what you're doing today, and it depends upon how well established you feel that your business is, uh, you know, can you be doing that exact same thing in 10 years? And depending, you know, if you're, if you're 26, then... Yeah, maybe that's great. Like if you're 26 and doing timber framing, probably awesome. You you can be doing that when you're 36. If you're 46 and doing timber framing, eh, when you're 56, probably doing timber framing is going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot harder on your body. Not that you can't do it. Uh, you know, you could be a massive stud like George Von Driska and do it to your 90. But, uh, you know, there's things in, <laughs> in woodworking and things just in the physical nature 
um, you know, there's some limits to that, right? Do you want to be doing that? Do you want to be breaking your back as much physically uh, or do you want to get more into the mental game? And then same thing as the growth of your business. So uh, if you're building now and you're doing $100,000 in sales uh, of furniture, do you want to grow that to a million dollars in sales? And is your business going to look the same? No, you can't. You can't physically do that unless you astronomically raise your prices. So that's kind of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today is, is uh yeah, as how does your brand evolve? How does your business evolve with your brand? And you know, what what things do you need? What things need to change? What, what things do you want to change and what things need to change? That's kind of the two ways, right, John? It's like, do I really want to be doing this? Or if I want to get to where I want to be, what needs to change? So that's kind of the the two pieces as I think about it. And um, yeah, yeah, I've been doing the same thing. Like we've been talking about, I've been talking about with my wife as well. It's, it's definitely been on my mind. Lately. I think it's all, and it's something that like seems to perk its head. I mean, like you had a birthday last week. Um, if you guys didn't know, Brad turned uh, 77 years old. Um, yeah, just wise as a His wizard and looking are, yeah, young, Dew. as young as a peach. Um, it's, from, but, it's like formaldehyde in my, in my veins. <laughs> it just keeps me, <laughs> keeps but, me looking young. But you know, with that, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm a dreamer, so I'm constantly in the clouds, um, you know, and I, and I, and I also stay pretty grounded, but with that, you know, I'm always spitballing ideas on, on the long game, spitballing concepts in which I can have my, my work now make money for me long-term. And there's kind of a phrase out there as an entrepreneur is like, dig your well now and drink from it later kind of thing. Um, and, and when I turned 30, you, that's, that's sort of the message you sent to me. If you remember, right. You're like, uh, in, in your 20s, you build the foundation. In your 30s, you grind it until your eyes are bleeding. And in your 40s, you start to actually uh, let the business work for itself. And and that's kind of like the mindset I have. But but and there's a reason for it because, I mean, you nailed you nailed a part of it there with as far as um, being a maker or creator that like your body physically starts to deteriorate. I don't care of what shape you're in. Um, and, and it's something that you have to be considering, right? Like you can't. Yeah. You can't just say think you're going to be able to crush through all of the work that you're that you're capable of doing in your 20s when you're 40. You know what I mean? Like you're it's just I'm 31 and I can't do anything close to what I could do at 26. Um, you know, and, and I like I was in my house doing this little room remodel and demo um, and like it's getting like 9, 10 p.m. And this is typically where I like eat something, have a couple, you know, a glass of water or something and just like revitalize the system and go at it for two, two and a half, three more hours. I'm um, call it a day at midnight. And I'm just like, man, the quality of what I'm doing and like my focus, it's just not there. And it requires a lot more effort for me. Um, and, and that might be because I compartmentalize, you know, personally, like the amount of effort I put into things. And when I go, I'm like full bore, but it's, it's things to consider. And I think your business needs to be something that you're definitely thinking about long-term too. You know, it's a, uh, there's so many factors that go into the long, long play of the business. One thing I've been considering is my lease is up in um, in 15 months and you typically have to re-up your lease within, uh, you know, right around a year of when it's going to expire. So, like, do I want to be moving the shop to somewhere else? Do I want, need to be purchasing property? Do I need to be uh, looking to expand, you know, certain avenues of the business or like, you know, what's that look like? And we've got our buddy, Bob Claggett, who just bought a farm. Um, you know, I was actually last week out at, uh, when I was in Texas, I got to meet Matt from demolition ranch. And this is something that kind of opened my eyes. And I was talking to Brad and 
we thought that, that another reason we thought it might be a good good episode topic is because man that dude's diversified like 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 oh like i'm like i can't even comprehend he's this a pretty young dude too, and he's man. like pretty young i'm pretty sure he's like very close to my age probably maybe early a, 30s yeah probably between us you know a little uh, somewhere in there a little um a little bit older than me but like matt if you guys aren't familiar matt from demolition ranch has uh, over 7 million followers subscribers excuse me on his on his main youtube channel which is called demolition ranch he then has a sub channel called off the ranch which has two and a half million subscribers and then he also has another channel called the vet ranch because he's a veterinarian who went to school for eight years and um that has two and a half million subscribers as well so the dude's pretty good at building a following on youtube you could say and he understands right. the dynamics of youtube very well and with that he doesn't just bank on YouTube, which I found to be extremely impressive. You know, like right, he's not especially sucked up in well, like a lot of those YouTubers who have those big numbers are just all YouTube and they don't do. They're anything all YouTube, else. right? And and he, yeah, he you get caught in it because that's like he produces you know, viral that, content too, which is the right. The most so when you're getting part. when you're getting ten million views, you know, when you're getting like when your basis like, is like a million views. Just per say video. this: when I was standing in his house and meeting him last week. His video was number two on all of YouTube. It was trending. For trending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the interesting part is that um, I, when you look at a lot of these YouTubers, a lot more vloggers, right, as well, but who kind of get Insta famous or YouTube famous. And uh, I, I think that it's so easy for them, you know, just looking at from the outside, easy for them to be like, oh, like I, I'm just going to double down, triple down quadruple down on this and do it as best I can, which they do. And then they're making tens of thousands. If you know, not a hundred thousand dollars a month on AdSense. Like when you're, when you're generating that much, that many views, a million views on a piece of content, you're putting it out once or multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. That is a massive, massive revenue stream. Monstrous. Uh, it's, and so it's like, yeah, why would you do anything else? But, uh, and then, you know, they can get burned out on that, too. But, you know, seeing Matt, what he's done with the multiple channels to, you know, kind of avoid because any one channel can be uh, well, you the, know, suspect to demonetization yeah, or anything like that. The and Demolition Ranch is like a it's a it's like a, right, a, weapons a gun based channel. channel. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. easily, he was like, this could easily be demonetized. Right. Yeah. And he he's been doing it for, I think, eight years. Taken taken off. But uh, but then the other piece he's done is uh, is is branding. Right. Because mm -hmm. you were just telling me, like, I know. I didn't realize that was his because I know April Wilkerson. Our, yeah, our, and so does Andy Ruddy. Yeah, recently had partnered up with this Bunker Branding. And they're like, oh, I'm doing all my merch through Bunker Branding. And then come to find out, like, that's actually his business, right? So it was it was an impressive business move from an outside perspective. And I mean, I don't know Matt very well. He is he's he's actually a very awesome person just from the couple hours where I was running through walls in his house. But <laughs> the. Um, seeing him have the foresight to realize that he was selling enough merchandise. Um, and I think this is kind of where it leads into our conversation here is he saw the opportunity long-term, uh, for the merchandise, not only that he was selling, but also to facilitate other makers, other, excuse me, other content creators. Um, and not only in one dynamic of the business, but in all facets of merchandising. So what he did was started his own merchandising company, called it Bunker Branding Co., um, hired a friend of his to run it. Uh, and, and, and with that, he started scaling that side of his business up in what, in what you call, um, I guess. So the merchandising revenue stream of his business would be a 
would be a horizontal, what you call it, right, Brad? Um, a revenue, yeah, right? Compared to his core right? supplementary yeah. revenue. And in that business is its own vertical um, integration of having the design and production uh, in-house instead of outsourcing it. So like Brad and I both have merch. We both do you know things outside of make videos. And those are supplemental income streams. So Matt saw enough scale and opportunity within his to vertically integrate it and then turn that into its own self-sustaining business. So yes, right. they do a ton of revenue from um, demolition ranch. And like when I was in there, I mean, dude, you would have, you would have been drooling. There was, he had thousands of t-shirts I, being printed. I watched monthly. After talked to me. I, mean, I went and watched a few of his videos where he was, Oh. Uh, just showing some stuff in Demolition Ranch, just like the processes and the pattern. I was like, oh, he yes, facilitates. Yeah. He facilitates his his audience's orders on the first of the month, and it was the first of the month. And I mean, there was thousands of T-shirts being moved. So you can Insane. see that scale is a little bit different. But you know, if, if think about it this way: if you're a large enough channel, like he's larger than every maker on YouTube in our space, um, like even Colin first. And, and so with that, you look at it and go, huh, are you moving enough of a product in order to integrate it into your business systems and then outsource that or in or create an in-house in. department well, that manages all of right. it? And that's essentially and, what he did. Which is so a great parallel. So a lot of people are probably like, yeah, yeah, whatever, YouTubers. So think about it this way. If you're a woodworker, it's the exact same thing as buying a sawmill. And getting a kiln and starting to get your own lumber, like instead of so he was yeah. getting somebody else to make his shirts for him and then give them to his audience or use them, you know, so it's a little bit different uh, in the sense that as obviously you're using your raw material in your projects, he's not using his shirts, but he was wearing his shirts in his videos and that kind of stuff. So sure a little bit the same. But when you when you do that uh, and thinking about your business long term, like, oh, how much money am I spending on lumber and is it the right quality lumber that I want? Do I have to pick through it? You know, all these things. And like, oh, well, what if I brought milling in-house? Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we've talked with a bunch of folks who have done it. You know, Canadian Woodworks, Cremona, uh, Urban Timber, like all these guys who have decided like, hey, I want to mill my own lumber and dry it. And so that's, that's what John's talking about, vertical integration. That's taking something that you're purchasing that when you think about the supply chain, the flow of product to meet your end product, you know, when you're getting materials and supplies, when you bring something in house, that's vertically integrating it into, you know, you, the flow of your business and the flow of your product. So now you have ownership. And then on the other side, so the same thing as he's selling and he's generating revenue off of other people's is that when you get a sawmill, you can now sell lumber on the side. So you vertically yep. integrated that process, but it turns into its own business. Right. And just like Legacy Lumber did for Paul. Uh, and so, you know, he has Canadian Woodworks, but he's got Legacy Lumber and he sells that same thing that Urban Timber does. They sell slabs out of the yep. shop as well as use them and to services. make their finished goods. They sell milling service. They sell kiln drying service. And those are tangential income streams that are pertinent to the core business, right? Which would be right. the selling of end goods. But so like, looking at that and bringing that in, that vertical integration, it's a great you know opportunity to think about, hey, how how can I make my process better, more efficient? and less More, expensive exactly. that I can control it. You know, I get the control over it because that is like, when you think about the long game, those are some of the things you need to think about is like how, you know, just the same thing as your lease, John, like how, uh, 
What's how reliable is a supplier? How reliable is this lease? Is my rent going to go up? I don't know if this guy's going to start charging me 20% more for slabs when things, you know, when he gets busier and, and he raises his price because I'm getting a sweet deal right now, but then all of a sudden everybody else finds out about him. Yep. When you own your own process, you set the rate. Now you still have to find the trees and those things, but you have complete control over the pricing of it. And you can, you know, basically go with the market to get the money back by selling, you know, to, to a secondary or tertiary income stream that has nothing to do with your finished product and has everything to do with a new market and a new product that you're selling being either services or straight up slabs or even greenwood, you know, and, and all those things are, are actually available to you now that you've brought that in house. Yeah. And, and so what this does long term is it takes the bulk of your income out of not say the your bulk of your income is still probably going to be somewhere, but it gives you opportunity to grow income streams outside of where your majority of your revenue is coming from. And long term, that diversification of your income portfolio is uh, it's vital. It's, it's it's extremely important, right? Like so Brad and I here as content creators going back to um, you know, talking about Matt a little bit and then, and then we'll dive into the, the King of random conversation, but like the, uh, the concept of like, if YouTube went away tomorrow, like would Brad and I be able to survive? Um, and the, we know the answer is yes, but like, that's not the way it works for a lot of content creators. And that's because it's something you and I both put emphasis on as well as like understand, but the landscape of a content creator if you, if it's controlled by an exterior platform can always just be ripped right out from underneath you. Now, is that likely? No, but is the popularity of a certain platform um, potentially going to go away? That's definitely yeah. a yes. Like look I mean, at Facebook right now. We're in the right midst now. of like, it right now. Five we're in years. the midst of it on, on Instagram. Yeah. Well, no, it's not going away, but like, you know, it was, everybody was like, oh, Instagram is the most amazing thing ever. And you know, we were too, right? We're like, and like every, everybody's just kind of growing together. And you have all these micro influencers who are getting uh, who are getting 50 to 100,000 followers. And and so many people are getting there and super excited about it and starting to sign deals with people. And then all of a sudden the brakes got slammed on and now all this growth is gone. There's still potential there. But, uh, you know, that's that's just a sign of like, oh, wow, like you can't just ride this gravy train and like work this formula. And we've you know, we talk about ways to grow your following and all that on Instagram. And that's great. And those all work when they work. And then one day when you wake up, that stuff may no longer work. Right. And that's we're we're like in the midst of that right now. We've gotten so many DMs and emails and everything about people saying what has happened on Instagram? Why am I not growing? Why am I like so many people? It's like I've lost hundreds of people in the last month. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) yeah. So that's why the crowd. And that's why you got to keep your your income portfolio wide. Um, and that's that's the long play. That's the long game. But you also have to look at like for for us, you have to look at stable industries. Right. And so something for me is like uh, real estate, for instance, like Brad's talked on the show a ton about owning rental properties in his 30s um, and and uh, in, in when you were uh, in your 20s as well. So like you look at that and you go, hmm, is there opportunity to take the income I'm making from one aspect of my life and then plug it into another or for us as makers? quote unquote, that's a tangential market and a very underutilized opportunity in the maker community. Is that like, this is, I guess this is really no surprise to anyone, but you can make things for your own home and add value to that home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
So right. why couldn't yeah, you do the same do thing flip, to an income whatever, property yeah. as either a flip, a rental, um, some sort of investment property? Uh, and and for me, I'm looking at it and go, okay, how can I take my not only my uh, my business, but the skill set of my business and apply it to other systems that could potentially make me more money long term? Because you know, owning a home, you could do the research, and I'm sure Brad has some data and numbers just in his head because he's been in that game. Is like if you look at Uh, Owning a rental property over 10 years, like your compounding value, uh, not only as the um, the the value of the home increases over time, but so does the rental income. Um, And especially with the equity that you pay. Yes. And so does the equity. Yes. And as so you, you make more money over time, the longer you hold it. So if you're in an opportunity to hold, say, property right now, for instance, um, it's a good place to be. And, 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 uh, interest rates are, are still pretty, pretty low. And well, the Fed, they just cut, I mean, we're in little, just a little bit of economics here. Like they just cut the, uh, the federal reserve rate down by a quarter of a percent, I think. Uh, so, you know, there, there's this whole thing of recession, right? It's like, oh man, this recession might hit. And so they're trying to help, help pull some levers there. And that's kind of what the, what the Fed does. And uh, yesterday, I don't know if you saw that or not, John, yesterday, like the Dow, like the stock market took a huge hit. It was down like seven or eight hundred points. And because this whole trade wars thing going on and China and Trump are in this huge fight and they're they're trying to jockey and do these things. And so I didn't read totally into it, but they they devalued their the yuan, which is like the Chinese dollar. Anyway, all this stuff that's out of our control, right? And it's like, oh, well, your stock portfolio could take a tank, take a, a huge dive. Um, but rental property and stuff like that, you know, that's think about the housing mar- market bubble in 2007, 2008. I mean, that was a huge thing, too, right? That, like stuff went down like nothing is protected is, is the nothing. takeaway here. So wherever you're putting your money, whether it's your own business, whether it's stocks, whether it's real estate, nothing is protected. But, you know, if history you're diversified. If you're diversified and right, like in the long term, in the long term, like they always talk about, like in any 20 year period, stocks have never, yeah, you know, returned less than like 6% or something like that. And, and real, uh, real estate's quite comparable, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So like, and so like those are great areas where uh, like in, in the stock market, like stock market is just a cash play and getting somebody to manage it. And like, if you know what you're doing, great. Um, but being a maker doesn't, you can't leverage that. I really like what you're saying, John, about, you know, if you have the ability to do that, then what, what can happen is you can get a fixer up or you can get something that takes some time and effort that most people shy away from, or they would have to pay a general contractor to do it for them, which means they're going to, you know, have to pay that person. Yep. Whereas you invest that thing again, like kind of vertical integration type thing of how can you use your skill sets and what you're doing to benefit you. And it's not just in your small scope of woodworking and making, you can use that in real estate. You can use that in different areas uh, to set up, you know, other businesses. Yeah. You know, it could be handyman business or something, right? Like, exactly. it's like, hey, I'm going to do this and then start putting together things for uh, a company that I can use the skill set that I've generated. And how is it complementary? Like, if you're always repairing stuff at, if you've got a few buildings of with what you're doing and you're always fixing stuff, well, are there other people you can help fix? You know, just kind of interesting examples like that. Or could you teach somebody how to do that? There's There's so many different ways that you can use your skill set to diversify your income. And yeah. I, I think that's what we're trying to get at. And that's and and that's kind of the long play mentality if you look at it. And it's not so much like what can you do more of? It's what can your attention that you have now 
like kind of uh, percolate into long term. Like for me, for instance, I get an inquiry at least once or twice a week for for buying slabs. Like I don't have slabs to sell, but could that be a potential business that I could have supplemental income and systems, which I don't have to touch. I can just use my popularity to drive inquiries and make money on the top end. I get the same thing for custom work. I sub out a lot of custom work and they give me finders fees um, for it. And I make, you know, a couple thousand bucks a quarter just by being popular. Um, and that's what, that's the nature of the game when you're growing an audience on any sort of platform. And when you have, you know, um, when you have search potential in an area or on SEO or whatever it might be. And in five years, like that's where the real value is going to be, right? Like the furniture industry has existed since uh, Victorian times and it's not going to go anywhere, but Instagram could go away. Facebook could go away. YouTube could go away. Like how is your business set up in order to in five, 10, 20 years still exist? And, uh, and are you putting plans in now while you're quote unquote in your hustle or grind mode in order to facilitate long term, right? Are you creating systems or are you just putting out fires? Um, and I think that's kind of like where the conversation needs to go as like Brad and I sit here, our conversations are no longer like, what more can we do? It's how can we create a process that facilitates long-term X goal? And how can we plug someone into that? Um, so, you know, like the, uh, when, when you're thinking long-term, that's where your brain needs to be. It's not, what can I do more? It's not, I need to make more cutting boards or I could take the drops from my wood and resell them in a bin if I opened up on Fridays for three hours so people can come by my shop. Well, is that taking time away from where you're more valuable? You know, or is that somewhere you can pay someone 10 bucks an hour to hopefully make 15 bucks an hour and put an extra 150, 200 dollars in your pocket every month? You know, like that's how your mind needs to be thinking. And is the, and then is that concept sustainable long term? Reasons we, like the the I think the topics are in like the kind of the milling concept, the slab concept. And the reason we kind of brought that up is because those are those are very easily relatable skill sets to um, what a maker is or what a furniture maker is or woodworker, or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, but you can easily take this a very similar skill set and say something like for me and Brad, like video production, right? Um, we could take that skill set and, uh, you know, go and teach classes on uh, anything dealing with growing a content business. Um, you know, same for myself with any, and, and this is something I plan on doing is like teaching a more in-depth course on growing a furniture business. Um, you know, these are, these are also aspects of like in your local area, can you teach a class? Like, is it sustainable for you to become, uh, a, an expert in say a certain type of something that you're doing and then facilitate, you know, educating your local market or national market for a skill set that is that is uh, in demand. You know, is that something you have right. because it's of what you're doing? Are you teaching how to make Maloof rockers when only five people in the country can do it? You know, that's that's right. that's, that's the beauty of converting. That's something uh, that like you don't have to sell the chair. You can sell the skill. Right. And it's it's converting on the skill set and the business that you've grown or just the expertise you've grown, because that's and, and you know, Susan and I were talking last night and she was like, well, like, what do you want to be doing in 10 years? And I was like. 10 years. I hope I can still walk. Uh, I could, I couldn't sleep last night because my back hurt so bad. I get like a pinched nerve or something. I was like, I, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know that I want to be schlepping around four by eight sheets of Baltic birch plywood, uh, you know, when I'm in my fifties, like, you know, I'm sure I'll be doing it, but I don't want to know if I want to be doing that like on the reg. And 
And I was like really starting to think about that. And and I was sitting there thinking about, okay, well, I think it'd be great to be teaching. And it's like, well, yeah, I could I could talk about, um, you know, I could teach and we've done this. And like, that's kind of what this podcast is, is like teaching people how to grow on social media and this. And then like, as we started thinking about it, the interesting thing is like in 10 years, nobody's going to be teaching about how to grow on Instagram. Yeah. Nobody's going to be teaching about how to start a YouTube channel. No one's teaching how to grow on Facebook anymore. Right. Like 10 years ago, YouTube wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Like that, that's when you really sit back and think about that, it's kind of mind blowing. It's like, yeah, 10 years ago, when, when did YouTube start? 20, uh, or maybe it was maybe 2000, was it 2009, 2007? It was whatever it was. It was not, you know, it was very in its infancy 10 years ago, if it was a thing, but the things that we're going to be talking about in 10 years aren't even invented yet. Like they're not even a thing or they're like something that a guy's doing in his garage or some gals making, you know, (laughs) on her lunch break. Uh, Like those are the things that we're going to be talking about. And so what I started thinking about last night was, yeah, like in 10 years, I'm going to be teaching on what I'm going to be doing in the next seven to eight years. Like I'm going to be teaching about how I grew my business, how I, you know, turned it from uh, something small into what we're talking about here. I want to be you know, you could, what you do is like, same thing, like a Maloof rocker. Like if you're just starting out, like you want to be a fine woodworker. Well, in 10 years, you don't necessarily have to be like at the pinnacle. I mean, you could be like, you know, like Maloof, just be making these amazing chairs. Or you could be teaching about the 10 years that you have in fine furniture making and showing other people how to do that. Yep. And through either hands-on, which, you know, is capped or leveraging that to online courses and, you know, presentations and things like that that are to a larger audience versus like one-on-one having 10 people in your shop to teach them. Uh, and, you know, that can only go so far. But uh, it's it's really something that I think when you just really sit back, especially when you're, you're talking technology, it's like, well, what am I going to be doing? Like, we don't even know because we have no idea what's going to exist then. We don't know what the new technology, I mean, there's all this virtual reality stuff, augmented reality, like, you know, who knows, maybe that's going to take off. Like, that's really interesting. Like I know probably five years ago, we all thought today everything was going to be 3d on TV or that was like the big hit. It was like five to seven years ago. Like they started coming out with 3d goggles and everything. And yeah, it was like, VR. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the next thing. Well, guess what? It's not, no, like you don't, you never see that anymore. That fizzled out. You remember QR and, codes? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. QR codes. We're going to have like dudes who got like QR codes, like on their, on their, biceps or something you know it's like yeah man. it's like the mark of the beast uh, <laughs> but yeah it's like all these technologies that we see and we think like so yeah vr vr might fizzle out or it might be the next big thing you know we we don't know uh so we don't know what we don't know so you have to think about it a bit larger about what am i going to be doing and then for my business from a work standpoint if i've got a hundred thousand dollar business and i want to grow it to two hundred 500, a million dollars, what would that physically take? So getting away a little bit from the technology, go back to the woodworking. Uh, if I'm a furniture maker and I'm making 10,000, what would it take to get to a hundred thousand? What would it take? You know, John and I've been listening to and talking about the 10 X rule by Grant Cardone. Great book. If you want to run through a wall, uh, I do. And you don't have to really buy the book. I'll tell you what it says. Uh, whatever goal you set, set it 10 times bigger and work 10 times harder. And that's basically the basically the book, but, uh, he does it a lot more eloquently, but, uh, but like, if you do, like when you're thinking about growing big, can you, you know, as a, as a single individual person, as an owner of a business, how far can you grow your business without having to add on? So you've got to start thinking 
about bringing people in, training them, outsourcing, vertical integration, all these things, because wherever your mindset is as an individual owner of a business, you can only go so far. And that's what John and I are in the midst of. I mean, John already brought Sam on. He's got, you know, a videographer. Like, I'm chilling still solo. Like, I've, I have not figured out how to overcome that hump. And that's, like, that is my challenge right now. Is, but we're still I need so, to figure out. So Brad's like in, in, and I think this is interesting, right? Is that I chose to scale faster because, you know, I, I have a little bit more time on my side. I don't have three kids and a wife depending on me. Brad went the opposite direction and ha- is is fine tuning the actual existence of your business now as I'm still in kind of discovery mode with Sam and a copywriter and the aspects of the business that I'm trying to scale. So both are like understand that it's not just one or the other. It is a balance of both. Right. Yes. And so like like you're you're getting really good at what's happening right now with your business. And that is vitally important. That's the role you want to be in. Um, it's just that you haven't been focusing on scaling it, which is why you have, right. You know, your which focus it, has been is, on, but that's, it's really interesting because it, cause you're going the other way a bit. Yeah. Uh, so there's more than one way to do it. Right. So yeah, I'm kind of in the mindset, like I want to get exact, I want to get everything running tip top and then hand it off versus what you said was more like, we will hey, figure let's this build out this together. Yeah. Like I'm going to bring Sam on, we're going to help grow it. So, and you can go either way and, and, and it depends. And there's a whole lot of reasons. Like I, I would love to have, a camera person, but I don't have, uh, the square footage that John has. Like, I don't have, yep. you know, it's at, it's at my house. Like I don't, and I don't have anybody I, I know, like, I don't want to bring over some stranger into my house when my kids are in there. Like, that's just not cool with me and my wife. Um, you know, like there's a lot of different reasons that people do the things that they do and from the circumstances. And so, yeah, those, those are great examples of how John and I are both trying to grow our businesses and think about the long game and leveraging and, and I mean, how do we, and you know, and 10 XR business. And it's vitally important. I mean, where, where you're at in 10, like if you look in 10 years, right, I'll be 41 years old. I don't have any kids yet. So regardless, none of them can possibly be anywhere close to the age of 10. It's just literally that's math. <laughs> but with that, you know, that's a different phase of life is like when you're 52 years old, all of your kids will be ready to either be in or going to college. Oh, that's and, I, I, I was about to start crying. Susan's like, yeah, in 10 years, uh, Macy will be going into her senior year. I'm like, oh, oh, she's my baby. <laughs> right. And like, so, but that's completely different points of life. Those are, yes. you know, those are, those are places where it's like, no, if you can, if you can buckle down and micro tune your business when you're in your forties in order to squeeze every penny you can get out of it. And then long-term be diversifying your personal portfolio it's a different it's a different thought process than like me right now in my early 30s. Like, how can I make more money doing what I'm doing right now um, by implementing proper processes and hiring out things? Um, and, and I don't need to make the money at the moment. I'm talking. I want to be making, you know, the income I'm looking for in three, three to three to five, eight, ten years um, when like. So it's, you can easily see how it's a different, different mindset. Like Sam and I are buckled down kind of like, yeah, Sam and I are buckled down grinding out and we're still trying to figure out our editing process and we're working on it legitimately every day. We have some sort of constructive conversation to like how we can get to the end goal, which is maximum output, um, from what our two capabilities are and our systems and processes facilitating that, um, as like output, isn't your game, like you're playing, right. you're playing the micro game and I'm kind of playing the macro game. It's like, I want to get wider as you want to get deeper. 
And I think that's kind of an interesting aspect of the long-term play is that like, you know, do like, I don't think in 10 years you want to be hustling a lumber mill and slabs, but like for me, I'm totally down with that. Cause it's like, you know, I'll be in my early forties. Like that's a great transition to go into a brick and mortar sort of like, you know, let's, let's start, let's fire up a lumber mill and grow that for the next nine years and see where it takes me. Um, facilitating my content exposure at the moment that nobody else in my city actually has. You know, that, and like, I'm also in a little different situation is like Pittsburgh's a big, small city. And I don't think there's anyone with more Instagram followers than me in the city that isn't a professional athlete. Like it's, it's pretty, there might be one or two people and like, I don't know them, but that's quite possible. So like I get to capitalize on that popularity in order to try to kind of grow something, whether whatever that might be, coffee shop, you know, real estate company uh, doing sort of slabs or whatever. Um, but you do need to take into consideration, like, what phase are you at in life? Like, do you have a family to take care of? Do you have like you can't just buckle down? Like, I don't know how you do it, but buckle down and work till two, three in the morning every night and get up and be juiced <laughs> up and ready to, like, take your kids to, to, the, to the bus stop. It's 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 quite difficult and it's draining. Um, but that's like, that's part of the hustle. Like I don't have to do that. That's where it is early on. But yeah, like all these things that are coming up in, in 10 years, why don't we talk about something that's coming up in just a few months? Ooh. So we're going to take a a quick minute to talk about uh, a sponsor of today's show, 3M. Uh, so 3M wants to know, so they're, they're going to be at Fabtech and they're looking for the fastest weld grinder in America. And 3M wants to know if you're that person, they want you to prove it. They're looking for 12 metal workers to go head-to-head in the second annual 3M Clash of the Grinders at this year's Fabtech Conference in Chicago, which is going to be November 11th to 14th. And uh, as most of you watch my content and Brad's, you probably are well aware that grinding welds is just part of the job when you're doing any sort of metal work. And it's uh, not the most fun part. Uh, 3M is actually going to do their best to make it fun at Fabtech um, and test your skills against other metal workers from around the country um, and find out who the actual fastest grinder in America is. Yeah. So here's how it works. Go to 3M.com forward slash pod clash to enter. And 12 grinders are going to be choosing. Then they're going to compete in a grind off, uh, which sounds probably way worse than it actually is. We're going to be taking down three four inch welds. And that's that's like that's not going to be in like 20 seconds. That's going to take a minute. So one is going to be with a fiber disc. One is going to be with a grinding wheel and one with a flap disc. So it's like legit. Uh, and unfortunately, they're going to be putting the welds down. So, you know, your welding skills are not going to help you. This is actually all about what uh, all about grinding. <laughs> yeah. And the fastest uh, the fastest grinder wins uh, the grand prize package, which includes a speed glass weld helmet. And if you guys aren't familiar, are one of the most uh, beautiful, we made and fantastic welding hem- helmets on the market. Um, a 3M Cubitron 2 grinding wheel and disc combo pack. Um, and not to mention, you get to win an event at Fabtech. And we've been to Fabtech. Fabtech's awesome. Who knows? We might even be at Fabtech. We don't know yet. Very true. Um, we, and 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 it's just a really cool concept, and it's a it's a great community down there. I mean, we're a lot of woodworkers in this podcast, but the metalworking community is super strong and just as cool. It is. So we know we have a lot of metalworkers that listen to the show, and if you're a woodworker and you want to try your hand at it, then you could go too. But uh, if you think you got what it takes, go to 3m.com forward slash podclash uh, to sign up. And again, that's 3m.com forward slash pod. C-L-A-S-H. 
and uh, capital P, capital C. I'm not sure if that matters or not, but uh, go check that out. I think that'll be really a really fun event and uh, somebody's going to win some cool prize package and some bragging rights. So thank you to 3M for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, yeah, man. I, I So I, I know we talked, to, we hit on the king of randoms. So I wanted to hit on that real quick because that kind of spurred the question as well. So if if any of you are familiar, uh, Grant Thompson, he has a, a YouTube channel called The King of Random. This is one that I started watching years and years ago. And uh, he's just like an experimenter. He's a, he is a like to do really wacky stuff and and um just kind of kind of like a more extreme like mark rober and and destin from smarter every day like yeah he's doing a lot of like backyard experiments and blowing things up uh unfortunately he he passed away last week and he had gotten into paragliding and had a paragliding accident accident he passed away um yeah huge bummer uh he's really a great guy in the community and but what was interesting is like you know, that event kind of brought his channel to the surface and and I started looking through and things. And if you're familiar with him, he, uh, the King of Random, about 18 months ago, he kind of stepped away from the channel, from the limelight of being the host. And so I wanted to kind of talk about that because I looked at it and he, he got into the trouble for doing some, like he exploded. He was doing an experiment. He would do like a lot of like dry ice explosion, like, you know, exploding things um, in a, somewhat controlled <laughs> environment. Some, some not, uh, you know, he'd use a bunch of fireworks and blow them up, uh, like pour all the powder together and blow them up. And I think somebody got injured and that was a big no, no. And, uh, anyway, he got in trouble with the law about it. Uh, and so people thought he was stepping away like that. And so did I, but then when I went and looked into it, uh, what had actually happened, that was part of it, but is that he transitioned his entire channel. We're talking like, I think it's, is over 9 million subscribers. Uh, huge, huge channel. He had taken it to the point where he was putting out a video every single day. And this is like as a experimentation. So not like a vlogging, like legit doing experiments. Like uh, he would do a lot of stuff with liquid nitrogen and, you know, explosives and those type things. And just, just anything that was kind of sciencey and DIY. So it was very DIY oriented. So he was kind of a maker, even though it was more experiment than like final product, uh, melting aluminum, things like that. But he had systemized his channel enough where they were producing a video every single day. And these are 10 to 15 minute videos with full like experiments. And what he ended up doing was bringing on a host and then he had a host come on with him and and they would work together. And then he ended up stepping away and then bringing on another host. And so now, like before that accident, so let's just take the accident out of the question. That was just kind of what brought this to my my attention more. And really I started exploring it. He, he successfully transitioned himself as the primary, you know, like, Hey, I'm doing everything. He built a team around himself and not only built a team, but he built a brand so that he had other hosts step in. And that's, you know, John and I've talked about that a lot, like, right. That'd be harder for John to do as, as John Malecki, the YouTube channel, but as fix this, build that, you know, that's a business. That's a brand. Could I bring on supplementary hosts? We, you know, Bob has brought on, you know, Bob has Josh over at I Like to Make Stuff. Um, you know, would there be some day where Josh hosts an entire episode himself? Yeah, absolutely. Like he could do that because he's building it. So I think it's a really interesting case study in um, like, even if you think about, oh, it's it's content and I'm behind the content is that you can systemize that and make that something that you can grow and hand off and be sustainable that you're not the person that's having to make a video every single day. 
and do the editing and do all these things. Uh, so I wanted to to just bring that up. And if you're interested in in more of that, you can definitely go check that out. And I kind of did a deep dive. Um, and he was actually even teaching courses on it. That didn't seem to be, be very successful. I'd never even heard of it. Um, but it was called, uh, what was it called? Aim for something. Um, but anyway, he he was trying to teach people how to do that himself. Uh, but he successfully transitioned his business. I mean, I thought this was crazy, man. Just like having that, it would be like, can you imagine somebody with that many followers, like just being like, oh yeah, I'm going to just have new hosts now. Nah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's kind of inconceivable because so many of us look at our business and are like, oh, I hold it so tight to my chest. It's all about me, 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 me. It'll die without me. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you do it the right way now, like the, the definition of an entrepreneur is like creating processes and systems in order to have other people, you know, do them. And and I think it's very interesting looking at a, at a YouTube channel as a business in that way and being able to, you know, take something like the king of random um, whom it seems to be one person in like just phrasing and turn it into a team. Um, if you go on the channel right now, you know, the team is addressing it, it pops up on the main feed and it'll they'll address you kind of like a, with a with a post they've done recently. Um, but you know, it's, it's just so interesting to know that it's possible. So like, I look at my channel, like who knows John Malecki builds could just turn into builds by John Malecki. Like who knows? Like, you don't know what that could become. And is there an opportunity for me to create a team around my content strategy? Um, and if you dive real deep into it and like take a look in the mirror, like there definitely is, right? There's definitely ways you can offload parts. There's definitely ways that like I could intro a video and then like throw it to somebody else who could build uh, something, especially like in home remodeling and whatnot. So yeah, <clears throat> there's just tons of contributing editors, like stuff like tons that. of like ways, ways to do it. Long play is the way to be thinking about it. Uh, and if you're not thinking long term, then you're never going to have that kind of epiphany. Um, and I think that's also why at the beginning you chose to create fix this, build that and not like, you know, homemade modern with Brad Rodriguez, because I know your dreams to be Ben, <laughs> but like, no, I'm kidding. But like uh, thinking of creating some sort of, you know, channel based around an individual, you feel like you're constrained by it. But I think that the, you know, King of Random kind of it's not his name, but it kind of uh, shows that it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, and that there right. are long-term, long-play kind of capabilities, even within a business structure around an individual. Um, so uh, you, 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 th- long-term is long-play is like it's such an interesting topic. I mean, um, uh, going back to to the kind of furniture thing, you know, if you're if you're considering um, where you want to be in five years, and we've had conversations based on goals and based on uh, like uh, what was that episode six? It was like so early. God, we're getting old. Oh, uh, uh, no. We're long in the tooth. But uh, how do we bring, do we should, we could bring on some new hosts. Yeah. Do this for us. <laughs> <laughs> but made if, for Profit. This is Jim and Nancy from Made for Profit. <laughs> this would be fantastic. But uh, if you look at it and you're like, man, if I had goals for three years, like those goals are something that you need to be putting processes in place to achieve. They can't just be metrics. It can't just be like, I want to make half a million dollars. Like, no, 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 no. That's fine. Keep that in your head fluffy, whatever that might be. How do you get there? And how you get there is thinking long-term thinking like, okay, if I set a system up to vertically integrate my product, um, by, you know, in-house milling my own lumber, it's going to cost me $108,000 up front. I'll need a loan for that. So how do I get enough revenue to get a loan? 
Okay, now we're two and a half years out from that part of the goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you've got to reverse engineer <clears throat> it. I mean, that's exactly. But I, I, and I actually, I do like. I mean, if your goal is to hit some monetary thing, like, I, I think that's okay. I mean, I think it, like it's. I think it starts the conversation, right? Like, because then that's just a number. But then it's like, okay, so what does that mean? How do I make a half a million dollars? Okay, well, that would be, uh, you know. 4,000 tables and, uh, you know, 350, like you, because you have to quantify that you have to like turn that, you have to turn a number into something tangible and then you can turn that tangible thing into the work output needed. Or like you said, the machinery needed, right? Well, okay. I, I want to have a side business that's throwing off a hundred G's and okay. So what do I need to run a sawmill business. Okay. Yeah. It takes the, the wood misers. I'm, I'm going to have to get a kill. I'm going to have to get this. Mm -hmm. I have to get that. I have to, I have to have land. I have to have somebody to run it. Like, I, I think it's a really good, I just think sitting down and, and really thinking, I mean, I was doing it last night, sitting down and thinking like, what Solo do I want to be doing in 10 years? With a single desk lamp. <laughs> and one, yes. And my red and, stapler. <laughs> and six Mountain Dews. But it, it makes you think like you really, if you look at the scalability of what you're currently doing, it will only go so far. Like, no, in, unless you've already systematized a lot of your work, uh, you know, the vast majority of you guys out there and gals are building with your hands and you can only build so much. You can only build so much in a week uh, without help and without other systems, without integrating things and, and in-housing processes or outsourcing. You know, maybe it's more outsourcing. It, it just depends. And if you really sit back and think about where can I get to with what I'm currently doing, that's some number. And is that where I want to be? Or is my goal to buy the New York Jets, like Gary Vee, and like that's his kind of northern star. He's like, I want to buy the Jets. Well, guess what? That And that's the same thing, right? So I want to buy the Jets. Okay, well, how much are the Jets worth? Like, I, I have no idea. Like, 900 million, or like, what were they worth? Like, Seven million, something like that. It's the Jets. I mean, come on. Probably like four. But <laughs> like, what's your house worth? Probably the same. Like. So whatever that number is, right? If it's a, a billion or five hundred million or nine hundred million or whatever it is, I have no idea. But that's some number. That that's what Gary's Northern Star is. Like he wants to have enough money to buy the Jets, and so he's like, okay, how? What's that going to look like? And to him, like I was actually just reading. Uh, again, it was last night. I was reading an, an email. Uh, he's got like an email newsletter I'm a part of. And he was saying, he was talking about that and talking about he, one of the things he he loves about having that as his goal is that it is so audacious that he doesn't, he doesn't even do that with that goal. He just knows like, I just need to win at everything to even be able to think about that. Yep. So he's not like backwards working. He's just trying to figure out how can I make the absolute most money I can ever make. Right. And that's like, his goal. And then hopefully one day he wakes up with, you know, a billion dollars that he can buy the jets. Um, and so that, you know, same thing. I, I don't know that, uh, that's probably not going to be your goal. Like your goals are going to be much more attainable. Um, even if, you know, if it's a million or 10 million, like you could run the numbers and figure out what, what I need to do with my current pricing structure and all this, all these things. Uh, what, how do I need to scale and what does that look like? And is that what I want to do? Or, you know, one thing we haven't talked about, John, which is kind of interesting too, or do you just want a lifestyle business? I, we kind of said at the top of the show, like if you want to be doing, if you love what you're doing and you're making $42,000 a year doing it, 
and you live off $42,000 a year and you love it and you would love to be doing that 10 years from now. I mean, you're going to have to grow your rates with inflation, all that good stuff, but that's a lifestyle business. And that's, that's great. I mean, if it's sustaining you and you're enjoying it, like you don't have to grow to be a million dollar business or 500,000 or a hundred thousand, you know, if you're enjoying what you're doing and and you want to be a woodworker until you're 92, there's a lot of people that do that too. Yeah. And, and so that's going to be like sort of the intern that look in the mirror again that you're going to have to have. Like for me, like I want woodworking to be a hobby for the rest of my life. Same with metalworking, same with any sort of making of anything, but it's not sustainable for me to be in my garage or basement trying to sell furniture to pay the bills. I know that I'm well aware of that. Also, like I enjoy the business side of things more than I do the woodworking side of things. So like, that's where my focus is. That's where my drive comes from. For me, it's like, how do I take this skill and opportunity and then turn it into the next thing? And I'm always looking bigger, right? Like I started out making cornhole boards and cutting boards. And then I moved that into making custom furniture. And then I moved that into making, you know, like design and build a restaurant and then build conference tables. And those are, those are prices that you could buy cars with, you know? And like, then how do I take that into uh, the next aspect of actually selling home? Like, you know, do I want to start taking that into real estate? Do I own that real estate? Do I flip that real estate? Do I start making bigger and bigger chunks? Like, what does that look like for me? And I personally know what my own uh, sort of long, long play looks like. It's not extremely detailed, but it's a concept and idea that I'm working towards. And in all honesty, I bet you it's probably too small. It's probably too small for what I think I'm capable of. Um, and, you know, we were talking about listening to or uh, reading the 10X by Grant Cardone. It's like, one thing that book did for me was put in my put in my mind that I am not working anywhere close to as hard as I could be in order to get the what I want out of my business. And um, if you want to be in business in 5, 10, 20 years, you need to be thinking on levels that you've never even thought you were capable of. Um, you need to be thinking that like 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 Gary Vee, like you need to own the jets like, you know, I know. I know Brad's goal isn't to just make a certain dollar amount. It's to literally do dominate and destroy everything in his war path. <laughs> and it's like, and that's, that's why we get along so well. That's why this podcast exists is because we want you to crush literally anything you put your mind to. Um, and you can't be thinking like just goal to goal. You have to be thinking, I want a house worth $5 million by the time I'm 47 years old, like goals like that. Something that like, you know, I'm living in my truck right now, but that's what I want. And then everything pertains to that goal. It needs to be so, so far fetched that like relentless effort is the only way to get there. And it needs to be so far out that you're conscious enough to set up processes and systems in order to get that stuff done um, in order. To, and then also taking the skills that you develop over that time and figure out how those can make you more money and what they are without doing more. You know, like I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to try and I don't know, become the finest woodworker on the planet. Like that would take me a decade to get anywhere close to being like the bottom of the barrel fine woodworker. For me, it's like, how do I become, how do I make more money being as good as I am right now and then continue getting better at it? Um, and that's going to be some sort of horizontal supplemental revenue streams. That's going to be, um, you know, collaborations and co-branding and as well as diving deeper into my local markets, finding out if there's any opportunities there to get diversified with, with any sort of, um, opportunity. And, and you don't say yes to everything. You got to be smart and diligent, but like, you can't just be thinking that you're going to be a YouTuber or a garage woodworker for the rest of your life. It's just, 
the way it, it it's my advice to all of you that are probably older than me <laughs> but like we like you got to get out of that mold like you are better you deserve better your life deserves better and i don't care if you're making $250,000 a year out of your garage and you're completely happy with it like go for a million why why not like where where what's your setback <laughs> and like so that's kind of like where my my mindset goes like in 20 years like i want to be making I want to be making so, so, so many opportunities for other people and like what I'm doing. Like I want, I want to create at least 50 jobs in my local area. You know, like I want to be able to uh, facilitate um, kind of the things that are close to me in my core, in my heart, as far as like philanthropic aspects, like, but to get there, I can't just say it. Like you have to put things in place and you got to be thinking long-term, like none of that stuff happens overnight. Yeah. I, I think that inspirational yeah. rant over yeah john's john's had too many red bulls this morning uh he's just high on life that's just john i'm I, i'm very i'm very gracious i you know what i've been doing after our uh after our we recorded it two weeks ago but our 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 um uh what did we call it the, the work episode, life balance work life balance is i uh i've been doing some journaling and i've been doing some um some, you some want Duolingo yet? Kind of self-taught. No, I've actually seen ads for it though, and I'm like, man, do I need to learn another language? Like, what if you and dude, I just did a Spanish broadcast? A Spanish episode. <laughs> yes, dude, get on Duolingo now. Episode 200, all Spanish. Big hairy audacious goal. That's a some corporate lingo for you there. Um, I, I love it. I, I think some good thought thought starters for you guys out there. Think about the long term, and you know. If you are making $250,000 in your shop, so John would say, hey, how do you make a million? I would say, hey, if you're happy with it, uh, how do you make $250,000 and do less than you're doing today? Hmm. Because you've systemized it and systematized it, whatever, and and figured out how to do it better. I think and that, make that's reflective of what even, we talked about earlier. You know, like, how can yes, you make more money? How can you make more profit out of that 250? Yeah. And I'm like, how or, can I or make do that less 250 work, million? <laughs> and then you reinvest that time. Yeah into your family, into yourself, into something else, into your hobby, into another business. So all good things to think about. So yeah, just get out there and, and just really, really take a minute, take an evening, crack a cold one, and uh, just think about it and see where it takes you. And it's going to take everybody a different place. Right now, we're going to take you guys to the after show, or at least our patrons. So uh, if you're not a patron, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. And uh, you can listen to the after show. And yes. If not, then we'll see you next week. All right, guys. Later. Peace. Peace.